Welcome to episode 29 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Please subscribe and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and you can also write a review and let everyone know what you think about the podcast. I am also now live on Spotify and Stitcher, so follow me on Spotify. There are no amendments today. For Spencer's favorites, I want to give a shout out to my favorite burger joint in Boise. Big Bun Drive-In on Overland is amazing. They've been around since 1954. They have awesome, awesome burgers. They have awesome chicken tenders, finger steaks, and shakes. And they even have meatless and vegan options. Once again, that is Big Bun Drive-In on Overland. Once again, please subscribe to Spencer Talks About Stuff and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you have not left a review yet, please leave a review. It'll help me out a ton. You can also write a review and let everyone know what you think about the podcast. Without further ado, here is episode 29 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. All right, welcome to episode 29 of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Today on the podcast, I have Richie Brockle. Richie's a former Boise State football player and realtor in Boise. How's it going? I'm doing good, Spence. How you doing? I'm good, man. Cheers. Cheers. So we were just talking about this before the podcast. You brought some old Rasputin beer for us. Yep, I did. The old Rasputin. When did you discover it? It might have been two years ago. I was at the um, Beer 30 in uh, Southeast Boise with Pugs. Yeah. And uh, it was just up on the board, and I had it, and I'm a big fan of the dark beers, so... You know, that just kind of... It just made so much sense. Yeah. And I had just gotten done listening to... uh, Dan Carlin. Oh yeah, the World War World War One hardcore history. Yeah, and I was like, I have to order this. Yeah, and I had it. And now it's it's the best. I can drink dark beer year round. So I I went down a crazy rabbit hole, learning about Rasputin. After I read a couple books about World War One, and I got super obsessed with World War One. But that dude is the most bizarre character from history. Like. And nobody talks about him. Nobody talks about it. I didn't know anything about him until I listened to that Dan Carlin episode. And then I like went down a rabbit hole and watched YouTube videos and learned all about him. And it's so bizarre. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how did this guy even, it's like, how did this guy even get in here? It's so crazy. And like you hear, it's almost fake. Yeah. You know, like he was this healer and he just come out at like world war one is nuts. World war one is nuts in and of itself. But he was like a, he was a weird, um, drifter, religious guy that would do like weird sex occult stuff out in the woods in siberia yeah and then he somehow finagled his way into into the uh royal family and started like influencing decisions well that's how they they sabotage that's how like the underlings of the czar like sabotaged him they would take like photos of him at these like or drunken oh. orgies and they'd show him to the czar and he get all mad and kick him out but then he was healing his son yeah and what what did he have? He had like a Hem- hemophilia. Yeah, so he would come in and do whatever he needed to do to heal him, and then he'd welcome him back into the household. And then the czar'd kick him out, and then the wife, the czar's wife, would go get him and find him and bring him back. Well, th- so whenever Rasputin wasn't around, the son would start bleeding again. Yeah, and then when Rasputin was around, this the bleeding would stop, and they still don't know like if that was legit or if it was magic, like there's no explanation for it now. I know. It's yeah. Nuts. <laughs> it's super, super bizarre. And then he like finagled his way into these like military decisions for Russia. And, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which I, the son was so important to the czar because it was his only heir. I think he had like four daughters or something and right. one, one son. Yeah. And they wanted to keep him alive. And the only way they could keep him alive was keeping that weird dude around. <laughs> I know. Well, and un- unlike in that time, they talked about him being like really, 
like committed to his family. It wasn't just like a power thing to have these kids. He like really like cared for his children and enjoyed like his family. So that was like another thing that, you know, Rasputin was using against him to like pull on his heartstrings and everything. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man, that shit, that part of history is so bizarre to me. And the fact that there isn't a movie yet about Rasputin, it's nuts. Like you'd think it'd be like a mainstream thing that people would know about, but, and they, I think they tried to assassinate Rasputin a couple times, and then when they finally killed him, they like chopped him up into pieces and like burned it to make sure he was dead because they thought he was like this satanic guy that could come back from the dead and stuff. And it's come crazy. On, come on, Hollywood, get on. That. Get <laughs> on. Seriously, um, any have, anything about World War One? We don't get any movies about that. Nineteen Seventeen just came out. That's right. I haven't seen that yet, dude. It was freaking awesome. Yeah. It was incredible. It just gave good perspective of like what stuff was like on the ground. And it was uh it was shot as if it was like a one shot scene. So it was like two hour, like a two hour snapshot in this dude's life during the war. Right. Yeah. But I feel like that would leave so much out. What did it, Dan Dan Carlin did like forty five hours? Dude, it's I It's like don't five know. episodes <laughs> and like five hours of pop or something. Yeah. yeah. Um yeah, I went down a deep rabbit hole trying to figure out why World War One happened and like there wasn't just there was one event that they say kicked off the war and it was the the death of Archduke Franz Ferdinand Gavriel Princep killed him but there were so many weird alliances by all those different countries in the Balkans and Europe that that one event caused all these people to like start attacking each other and well that was when Germany took their forces and like marched them through all these cities right and yep. then they 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 had all their armies and it was this weird clash of eras where you still had people on horseback with spears, but they were wearing gas masks. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, it's it's like they had machine guns, but they still fought like the Napoleonic way where you like stood up in a line, but they just get like mowed down. They're like, all right, we got to figure out a different way to do this. Yeah, that's probably why they had all the trenches and just to move a foot would take days and like they had tanks. Like that was when tanks first got introduced. They yeah. go out and get stuck in the mud in these giant fields. And- yeah. It's crazy how much technology comes out of war, like World War One and World War Two. It's just scientists on either side trying to figure shit out, like what's the best way to kill the other people. But you get a lot of good shit out of it. <laughs> I know, yeah. Well, we got nuclear power out of World War Two. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's nuts. I, the World War One, and the fact that there's still places in like France you can't go to because there's still so much live ammunition under the ground. Yeah, yeah. We, my wife and I went there. We went to Verdun. Oh, you did? Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought I told you that. No. Maybe you did. Because we talked about it. I thought I sent you some pictures or something. But we... So we went to Bastogne, which is where Battle of the Bulge was in World War II. And then we drove to Verdun in France. And it's like bizarre. It's like you're on the moon because there's so many craters. And they've they've planted a bunch of trees and they're trying to like give it back to nature. But there's all these warnings on the trees that say like, don't leave the road. Don't go off the trail. Unexploded munitions everywhere. It's it's insane. You'd think somebody cleaned that up by now. I mean, all we're all the environmentalists <laughs> with the with the new, you know the fallout from World War One. So we we drove through Bosnia too. We drove through like the middle of freaking nowhere Bosnia, like outside of where the big cities are, through the hills. And um, there were signs that said, "Don't leave the highway." There's unexploded landmines everywhere. And so when we got back to America. Um, I looked it up and I started reading about the landmines and they find one a week still. No. Yes. It like averages really? out to one a week. Whoa. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy how much shit they planted. And that's from, 
that's from recently. That's not from um, World War One, but that's right. from the Bosnian War, early nineties. Early nineties. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. And that's why I drink all the recipe because World War One <laughs> is so interesting to read about. Dude, I, I think people should go down a rabbit hole and watch that weird stuff about, like, like he didn't do drugs. They would this weird sect of the I don't know if he was Protestant or what he was, but they would try to dance themselves into a frenzy where like they'd kind of get high from dancing around and then they'd have an orgy because I guess in their sect of the religion, you had to sin in order to like know what the sin was. It was, it's the (laughs) weirdest shit. Well, but they were probably all dehydrated from dancing around and they started to hallucinate because they were dehydrated and fatigued and tired. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's weird stuff. Um, well, we can come back to that stuff. I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your story. Um, I know you grew up in Arizona, went to Boise State, and then played professional football. So yep. I don't, I don't know where you want to start, but well, I guess you know I grew up in Phoenix, and I guess my first experience or knowledge of Boise, I had no clue about anything outside of well. I knew about the East Coast and a lot of the country, but I didn't know anything about Idaho. Yeah. And I still remember the first day Brian Harson was my recruiter in Phoenix. He was the tight end coach at the time. And my buddy comes to get me out of class to go meet him. And he was one of the first schools to come visit. And he goes, hey, it's the, it's the team with the blue field. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't watch football. I don't You know, I'm just, just going to school. Yeah. And uh, I finally got there, met him. I was like, okay, whatever. You know, I just kind of. Okay, another school. And then finally, the, I, I took my recruiting trip up here, and it was it was awesome. And they had shown a bunch of interest. And it came down to here, UNR. And, it, you know, obviously I chose here because I wanted to win. Yeah. But UNR actually recruited me for defense. Oh, no way. And for then, for D-end? For or? Uh, linebacker. Okay. Middle linebacker. Gotcha. Because I was like 235, and I ran pretty well. Who uh, Who recruited you at UNR? Was it Barry Sachs? Barry Sachs. Dude. <laughs> Barry Sachs was the... I, I almost went to UNR because of that guy. Yeah, he, was, I, he I, was something else. Yeah, I know all the BSU coaches hated him. Yeah, no, no. It wasn't... Barry Sachs was involved. He came a bunch. It was um, Coach K. His name was uh, Klinakis. Oh. He, so this guy, this guy was interesting. He would drive to Phoenix because he didn't like to fly from <laughs> Reno for the recruiting weekends. Yeah. So he would drive, like he came down probably like seven, eight times to Phoenix when I was getting recruited and he drove every time. Jesus. He would just go on like a bender and yeah. just drive from Reno to Phoenix. How, how far is it Reno to Phoenix? It's got to be like 12 hours. Jesus. It's got to be. That's insane. That's crazy. Especially when you have access, like they're going to pay for you to fly wherever you want to recruit kids. Yeah, yeah. I know. Crazy. Yeah. Um. So you, you chose Boise. Yep. Got a scholarship here. Yep. And then, um, I mean, you played like all four years, right? Yeah, I redshirted my first year because I had no technique and didn't, I was just aggressive. And then uh, the second year, so my redshirt freshman year, uh, Brad Lau got hurt against Oregon State. And I played a little bit in the first game. And then I went in at fullback, and that was the game Ian Johnson went nuts. Oh, okay. And I was blocking for most of the game. And then kind of my role kind of got bigger from there. And, it just kind of took off, and yeah. I think in the Fiesta Bowl I ended up playing like thirty something plays. Oh and wow! Special teams, and because Hunter had gotten sent home. Oh yeah! So I got a bunch of his plays. Oh my god! What's his last name? Jared Hunter. Jared Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. So I got a bunch of his plays. So I played a bunch in that. And then the next year, my role was obviously a lot bigger. And then it kind of just took off from there. Yeah. And then you went undrafted, right? Yep. Okay. Uh, well, I had I got hurt my senior year. Oh yeah, that's right. It I was uh, about we were that. playing the Vandals. It was a two point conversion, and I got a Liz Frank in my foot. No way. It was the day before, like I got surgery the day before Thanksgiving. Okay. And then I ran pro day the end of April. Okay. Jesus. So it was a super quick turn. I remember my foot hurt for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. But you had to show up for the pro day. Yeah, I should have did the pro day. Then I got. Uh, <laughs> Chargers took me undrafted. They drafted a tight end in the seventh round. Oh, Jesus. Who I ended up being better than. And then, um, well, I mean, he was good. He 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 stuck around for a couple of years, but I ended up getting more reps than him at the time just because I kind of knew what I was doing. And, yeah. Um, and then I got I fractured my scapula in San Diego, got wave injured. And then... How the hell do you fracture your scapula? Dude, I've done it twice. Seriously? Same one. Just getting hit or... Yeah, I was running a route and a guy like hit me in the shoulder, what? and I frac- I remember the next play I was in the huddle, and Billy Volick was the quarterback and he called some play where I had a I was one on one with the D end and pass protection. Yeah, and I was like, oh my shoulder kind of hurts. Then I got up and I went to go punch him, and it was just awful. Yeah, and I almost gave up like a terrible sack. Jesus. So is that like a fracture that you have to have surgery on, or is it just let it heal? No, it was just like a. You can see it on the x-ray where it splits through, but it didn't displace. Yeah. So no, like, plate or anything. You just have to let it heal. And Yeah. That was a whole disaster down there. How long were you at San Diego then? Uh, just through the preseason, and then I took an injury settlement. And then was out that whole year. Then we had the lockout. So I was out again. And in between then, Coach Hawk calls me. And he says, hey, do you want to play on this Team USA? And I'm like, I don't know. Sure. Yeah. And that... So Cody Hawkins was the quarterback. Yeah. And I was a tight end on the team. And we went and we practiced in like, I think it was in Ohio or Illinois. And then we played, we went over to Austria. Yeah. And we played, uh, gosh, who was it? We played Australia in the first round. We blew them out. We played in Mexico, Germany, and Canada. Yeah. And it was a blast. Yeah. I had an awesome time. It's a little that. unfair that like America has a team. <laughs> I know, but it's all just like, it, mostly it was like D3 guys, yeah. D2 guys. And then there was a couple like Division One guys on the team. Yeah. And we were just like, Mexico was actually pretty good. I was surprised. They were pretty good. We killed Canada. We killed Australia. Germany was all right. But, yeah. You know, I mean, I was over there and it was, I was not like, I was just trying to have fun because I didn't know if I'd ever play football again. Yeah. So I'd stay out super late, go to the game the <laughs> next day, and it it didn't matter. Hey, how long were you in Austria? Two weeks. Oh, we, okay. played, we played four games in two weeks. Jesus Christ. I know. <laughs> it Did was actually crazy because we were, so we were in Innsbruck. I think there was like 150,000 people in Innsbruck or something like that. A small okay. mountain town in Austria. There'd be 15,000 people at our games. Whoa. It was nuts. Yeah. They were uh, us against Mexico. I think they might have had like 20,000 people there. Damn. That's pretty awesome. And you'd walk around town and people are like, oh, you're Team USA? Yeah. Like, it was super cool. Yeah. And then the championship was in Vienna. Okay. And we played Canada in the championship. I think there was 35,000 people. Wow. Our championship game. It Uh, it surprised me. That's that's crazy because NFL Europe ended, got it ended like before I even got to college, I think. Yeah. Because didn't they have, they had like feeder guys where they'd send them overseas and then if they needed them, they'd. 
Yeah, it was like the best and worst job if you're in the NFL because you were a backup and you had to play the whole season and then you had to go yeah. over to NFL Europe <laughs> yeah. and play a whole other season and then go yeah. right back to OTAs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which now, I mean, the only real option now is Canada, right? Yeah, and there's some smaller leagues over in Europe still. Like Tanyan Bissell and Tharp went over and did that. Oh, in I did Italy. Know. Okay. So they have all these little national leagues, and there was a bunch of guys that played on our Team USA that did that afterwards. Yeah. And I probably would have done that if, if I didn't get a shot, another shot in the NFL. Because, I mean, you go to Germany, say, and that's one of the better leagues. I think they give you like 1,100 euros a month, plus they pay for room and board. And wow. All kinds of stuff, and like guys go to Italy and live on the beach. Yeah, and then they, you only practice like two days a week, and you play for like six months. So you get to go live overseas basically for free. Damn, and do whatever you want, play some football. Obviously, everybody's not that good, so yeah, you know, and you're playing with adults that have like other jobs and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> most of these guys that go over there are just out of college. And yeah, just having fun and dude, that's... I, I tell all these guys at Boise State like. Hey, if you're not going to go play in the NFL, go over to Europe and play for a couple of years. Go over there and have some fun. Like, I think there's leagues in like Sweden, Germany, Austria, Italy, France. Yeah, like, just go pick a country you want to live in for yeah. a while and go and, have some fun. and the Nether- Netherlands because we we got mm-hmm. three guys from the Netherlands that came and played for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bandison, who was before your time, Coach Bandison, he was coaching the French team. Oh no way! Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even know that they still had leagues over there. Um, so how long after that did you get a call for that Carolina? That ended like the middle of July, and then the lockout ended like two weeks later, and I ended up in Spartanburg, South Carolina for training camp. Did they just call you? or Yeah, like my agent called me and said, hey, you know, the Panthers need a guy, so you're going out to Carolina. And I oh, remember shit. I was at Kellen's wedding down in Park City. And I was in a movie with my wife after the wedding or before the wedding. We stayed a couple extra nights. And I remember my phone was blowing up. And I just kept silencing it. Yeah. Was my agent trying to call me and like the <laughs> tight end coach in Carolina or the guy trying to call me from Carolina. And I get out of the car. I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to Charlotte. I'm going to be a Panther. And I remember my wife, she was, we were just dating at the time. And she was all like sad because she thought I was going to go away. Oh, and, you yeah. Know, yeah. All this stuff because she never has traveled, tra- had traveled much before then. Yeah. And, so she thought I was going to leave her and go out there. <laughs> you know, what is that, like 10 years later now or something? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So how how long did you play on the team for? Five years. Okay. Well, when I first got picked up, I didn't even know where it was at. This is how little I followed football. <laughs> About- I, I had to like Google. I was like, okay, where is this team? I was like, oh, Charlotte. Okay, cool. <laughs> and then I was like, who did they draft? I was like, oh, Cam. They got Cam Newton. Yeah, the yeah, first yeah. Round, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. You know? Dude, that's how I am. People always ask me like, they want my perspective on football and I'll give my perspective about like an offensive lineman, you know, and like right. their footwork and you know how they did on a particular play, but I don't fucking know offenses no. or defenses or, um, I don't know much about the NFL. <laughs> well, I, I follow it a lot more now, but like back then I, I didn't fall. The first NFL game I ever went to was one I played in. Yeah. That's And crazy. I grew up in Phoenix. Yeah. We had the Cardinals. Yeah. So I could have gone to a ton of games. I never did. Yeah. I've never been to an NFL game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my first NFL game was in Phoenix, which is really yeah, crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Damn. We And that was the, my last college game was in Phoenix, too, for the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. So your family was watching. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um. So you, I know you got hurt a couple times when you were in Charlotte, right? Yep. So same thing? Scapula? Um, let's see. I had a bunch of stuff. The things I missed games for, I had a scapula high ankle sprain and a hamstring. Okay. Those are the ones I actually missed games for. And they IR'd me on the hamstring 
and the high ankle sprain. Yeah. So those were kind of the ones, and I got hired two years in a row. So yeah. that was kind of a death sentence in the NFL. Yeah. But. Damn. I know. Uh, I, the, the scapula came back from in four weeks. Jesus. And was it like the same exact spot? Different spot. How the hell does that happen? I've never no even idea. heard of that injury. <laughs> I have no idea. The doctor told me you get them in car accidents a lot. Oh, weird. But I feel like I never got hit that hard. So clearly I'm my shoulder. <laughs> something wrong. <laughs> There's something wrong with me if I'm yeah. getting it twice. I don't yeah. know. Um, I always tell people, like, I think your story is pretty cool because you were on IR a little bit. You didn't play a shitload. So I feel like your body didn't get beat up that much. And you told me that you, you're, you're a CPA, you're right. a certified public accountant. Yep. And you did the taxes for the guys, some of the guys on your team, right? I would just help them. Guys would always show me their pay stubs. Like, is this right? Am I doing the right thing? Can I deduct this? <laughs> yeah. Like they always wanted to. So what should I be investing in? You know, yeah. that type of stuff. And yeah. you'd always get pigeonholed with all that stuff. It yeah. was great. I, I love talking about those things. Yeah. So. But I, I feel like you're, I mean, obviously you're very humble. You're not like, you don't need a fucking flashy car or anything like that. Right. And you, you told me a story about buying a bicycle when you were there too. Yes. And you lived close to the stadium and would just ride your bike around. Oh yeah. That was like my, I remember, so by again, my first apartment in Charlotte, I just made the team and it was like, <laughs> I remember starting to look for apartments and I'm like, Wait a minute! It's gonna cost me like eleven hundred bucks a month. I was dying. I yeah. thought I, I thought I was gonna die. Yeah. And it was right down the street, so I bought a bike so I could save some money on gas. Yeah. And I'd bike into the stadium. That's awesome. And then bike home, and then of course I'd park the bike in the empty locker next to mine, and it'd always get messed with. Yeah. I mean, I got like the it got hung from a goalpost and all <laughs> kinds of crap. Yeah. I mean, what a mess! And so finally, I hit it in the stadium. I found. I made friends with the uh, guys that are in 24-hour security. Yeah. So I'd ride in. I'd go in there, and they had the um, like the drunk tanks for the people during the games in there. <laughs> so I'd have them open those, and I'd put my bike in no there. No way. <laughs> and then so for five years, I would go in with these guys, and I'd park my bike in their office. Yeah. And then I would just hang out with them every morning, or I'd bring them donuts or whatever. Or yeah. If we had leftover food from the cafeteria, I'd bring it in there. And I ended up making like great friendships with all these guys working security at the stadium. It was awesome. It was yeah. so cool. Like there's some of the, every time I go back, I go visit them and say, Hey, that's awesome. It's really cool. Yeah. So do you have some good buddies from the team that you still keep in touch with? Oh yeah. yeah. There's, there's quite a few guys that still keep in touch with. Yeah. And one guy we played against, uh, Ben Jacobs. Okay. I talked to him two weeks ago. He's a special teams coach now for the Redskins. Oh wow. He played at Fresno. He was a middle linebacker at Fresno. Okay. And you guys might have you might have played against him. I don't know if you would have been playing at that time. Was he a little bit younger than you? I think he was a year behind me. Okay. So you might not have been playing. Yeah, yet. probably not yet. I probably but, got some cleanup time at the end. Yeah, probably. He probably was out of the game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I keep in touch with like Luke and there's there's a ton of guys. You yeah. Know, ben Hartsock and yeah. I think it's pretty cool that that Jordan Luke, uh, Jordan Gross. I got to throw that. Oh one. yeah yeah yeah. Is he back in Idaho or what's he doing now? He's out in Fruitland. He's, he uh, runs uh, an organic uh, CSA, like a crop share. Oh, no way. Yeah. He, so yeah. he farms all the crops and delivers them to people if they have like you subscriptions. Go, we or... pick them up. You do the subscription. I do, I've do. i done it. Yeah. Uh, original original member. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, uh, so we do the pickup at Pay at Brewery okay. every week. You get like 19 weeks or something and you get a whole bag of produce and yeah. it's awesome. I love it. Dude, I think I think it's pretty rad seeing what, what certain dudes do when they're done playing football because... 
I feel like you accumulate a bunch of cash and then you can do whatever the hell you want. And so he probably has always wanted to do something like that. Yeah. Some guys accumulate a lot of cash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not everybody. Yeah. I, I feel like if you're in it for five years, you make a decent amount. Yeah. Oh yeah. If, if you can save it. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. 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 Well, that's what I'm saying is like, yeah. you obviously made smart decisions. The dude that gets his first paycheck for 20 grand and goes out and buys a fucking Lamborghini, like that's probably not the smartest thing. Right. <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Chains. Yeah. Uh-huh. Dude, why the fuck do people need, I don't know. I, I don't understand that at all. But. Well, I mean, it's just kind of a, you made it type thing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's some of it, I guess. I don't know. I didn't. I still drive my high school car. So I, th- I think that's so fucking <laughs> badass, dude. <laughs> and I still ride a bike as much as I can. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I rode a bike the whole time I was in the NFL. I walked home from games. Yeah. That was like my, that was like weird. Cause you'd leave the stadium after a game and you'd be walking with the fans. Could you like assimilate? Like, did they know that you were no, a player? No, I, no idea. I'd yeah. walk home with the that's fans. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And like, I'd be in the crowd and I remember there was one time I was, cause my wife and I would walk home together cause we were like a half mile from the stadium. Yeah. And I remember one guy spotted me and he like looks at me and you could tell, like I could see it in his face. You start shaking your head. I just gave, I put my finger over my mouth like, Shh. yeah. And like he was, you could tell, I, like, I kind of waved him over and I, I signed a quick autograph for him and handed it back to him really like low key, like trying not to just get flooded. That's and, so cool. But when I first got there, we weren't, we weren't any good. So I'd walk home and like people would be like talking crap. Oh, Panthers suck. And like <laughs> all this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it was. It was did, pretty cool. Did they get big crowds when you first got there? Uh, not so much when I first got there. When I left, I mean, it was yeah. it was pretty slammed most with of the time. Cam. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, because 2015, the last year when I got cut, that was the Super Bowl season. Yeah. So, you know, we had we had some great teams the year before that. We went to the playoffs with division champs, and so we had some really good teams in there. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, did you get to travel a lot, like on the East Coast, while you were over there? Uh, a little bit, like by week. We, my wife and I, we'd drive up to New Jersey because I have family up there. We'd go to D.C. and cruise in the, up there. We'd go down to Charleston, yeah. just kind of explore North Carolina. I had a buddy. We'd go out in the summer and we'd go. One time we kayaked out to one of the barrier islands out oh, there in no North way. Carolina and camped out on this island. And yeah. Go up in the Smoky Mountains, do some backpacking. And yeah. It was great. That's awesome. I want to spend more time over there. We, we, my wife and I went over there. Oh, I, I think I texted you when I was in North Carolina. Yeah. But we went over there for our honeymoon, actually. And we went to, we started in Maine. We went to DC, Boston, did all that stuff. We were in Boston for the 4th of July. And then um, we ended in Raleigh and, or maybe it was Durham. I'm not sure which one. And uh, we went, we went out to get barbecue and I was like, yeah. oh my God, we're getting Southern barbecue. Like it's going to be awesome here. <laughs> and then it like came out and we're like, what the fuck is this? It yeah. just tastes like vinegar. Oh yeah, the vinegar sauce. Dude, I had no idea that there were like different types of barbecue, yeah. but I think Carolina barbecue sucks. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> I won't say anything because I'm sure somebody from Charlotte will yeah. this, but yeah. I like Kansas City and barbecue. Is that more like mesquite kind of? Yeah, so there was a play. That was, so we always got stuck during the off season because I'd come back here and train driving. My yeah. wife and I would drive like four times a year from Charlotte to Boise. Jesus. Three days. First stop was always Kansas City. And there was, um, I think it's called Joe's like barbecue. It was in Kansas City. It was like a gas station. You'd cruise in, you'd get some barbecue. I love that place. Yeah. It was awesome. And we'd hit it every time we drove cross country. Yeah. But we, we, it was, I, lo- I like Kansas City barbecue a lot. Yeah. 
I mean, Charlotte's good too. Yeah. But. Yeah. When, when my wife and I went to, um, we were in Iowa recently and they had like a Southern comfort food. It was kind of like an upscale kind of restaurant. It wasn't too expensive, but they had like fancy cocktails and stuff. Right. They had fried catfish and it was insane. It was so freaking good. <laughs> what kind of cocktail did you get? Oh, it was like a strawberry margarita. Yeah. <laughs> my wife got a, my wife got a froze. I don't know. I, guess. I think you got the froze. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I told you I didn't. I, it's not that I don't like dark beer. It's just it's not the first choice on my list. And people give me shit and they think I'm a wuss because I like. I was cool. gonna say because you're not a man. <laughs> I like the old Rasputin though. Well, we'll see. I was telling you, um, did you ever go to Old Chicago when you were at BSU? After every uh, after every game, that or the Rams. Dude, I always went to Old Chicago, and they had the the punch card, like the world tour thing. Darren College did the whole tour. Dude, during I did, the lockout, I did the whole tour. You did the whole. I tour? did the whole tour within like six months of turning twenty one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did it during the lockout. I remember it was That's his awesome. like goal. Him and yeah. Saha, he talked to Saha about it every day. Yeah, you win like a. You win like a sweatshirt and then a hat and then like a cooler. And they put your name on a plaque. Yeah, my name was on the plaque. That, and I was asking my sister, I was like, what do you think they did with our names when they closed the the downtown location? They closed the downtown. Yeah, they did. I didn't even know that. Yeah. When did they close it? Like, I don't know, a month or two ago? It went in the trash. <laughs> Just like the location. Call, call them. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I thought that place was awesome because they had the rotating beer and you could... I don't know, every week they had like five new beers. And so it's not like you had to do 110 different beers. You could pick nice beers off of that that list that they had. I never did it. I was too cheap. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much money on beer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I don't know. The Ram. I like the beer at the Ram. They're pretty good. I do like the Ram. And I like Payette. Dude, uh, Boise's awesome for beer. I feel like we're kind of spoiled here. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. The only th- The one beer I'm missing in Charlotte... There was it was Birdsong Brewery. They had a jalapeno ale. Yeah, it was so good. It was it was amazing. I loved it. Yeah, it was like a little spicy, not too spicy, but just had enough jalapeno, so you got a ton of the flavor. It was light, which I don't normally like. Yeah, but it was it was like the perfect blend. I I loved their beer. Yeah, I I liked. Um, God, I can't think of which. There's three cities that are close together, right? It's Durham, Raleigh, and another city. What, where's Duke? Duke is in Chapel Hill. Okay. So maybe Chapel Hill's the third yep, one. I think you're right. That little cluster. But yep. that that reminded me of like a smaller Boise when we were there. Because there's like you go downtown and there's like a arcade bar. There's like a bunch of breweries. There's yard games outside and stuff. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Charlotte's probably like a bigger Boise. Okay. Because you still feel like it's kind of, it still feels, it's got like a big city feel, but like people are super friendly and you know, you got to know people easy and yeah. it still kind of had like a, like small circles, like in Boise where it's like, you can run into people, you know, all the time. Yeah. I feel like Charlotte was the same way. Yeah. Dude, when we were there, my wife and I, I got a couple of funny stories about being there, but my wife and I went on a run one morning and we ran through the Duke campus and I was like, Hey, let's, let's go to the basketball court and just see like if the doors open. The fucking door was open and nobody was around. And so we were like in the middle of Coach K court, like taking pictures. Oh, jeez. Um, and then you know how they have this stuff out front for the recruits, like with the signed basketballs and yeah. all the jerseys and stuff. And there was like a button that you push and it like lights up. And it, yeah. it was so freaking cool seeing all that stuff. 
I would love to go there and see a game, but I didn't realize that stadium is tiny. It's yeah. A, it's only like 5,000 people. Well, like that, I got that. I went to the Davidson campus where Steph Curry played. Okay. And because Bush Hamden was coaching there at the time. So my wife and I went up to go see Bush. And I remember we walked to the basketball court and I was like, I was thinking, oh, this is going to be sweet. Steph Curry played here. And I walk in, look at like my high school. Yeah. You know, I'm just like looking around like this, this is Davidson. Okay. It was so cool. underwhelming being in, in, on Duke's court. Boise States is way bigger. And yeah. there's like the mezzanine and the upper section uh-huh. and all that stuff. And it's just like, there's just like bleachers, like a high school. Yeah. Davidson was like my car. Just yeah. like. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know Bush was there. What's Bush doing now? I don't know. He's I need prob- to call him. Yeah. He's probably still coaching. Because um, he just got, he got fired in Washington during the transition, right? Oh, he did. I think so. Because okay. he was the OC at Washington. Okay. Because I think from Davidson, I don't know if he went from Davidson right to the Falcons, but he was in the, with the Falcons for a year coaching quarterbacks. And yeah. then he got a job up at Washington. And then eventually got the offensive coordinator job at Washington. And then I think when Pete walked out, I don't think they rehired him. So I don't I don't want to say that he got fired. But yeah. I don't think he was a part of that whole transition. Gotcha. Dude, Bush was one of those guys that I remember when I first got to BSU, he was so freaking nice. He yeah. was just one of those dudes that was nice to the young guys. He was one of the first guys that was nice to me, too. He took me to somebody's house for, like, a dinner or something. He yeah. invited me. He was awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Do you know, um, were you there when we did Midnight Madness? No. Bush's great idea? No. It was his terrible idea. <laughs> Is it? He, was it spending the night on the blue? No. That was that might have been worse. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> he, he had this idea because he didn't like waking up early for 545s. Mm-hmm. So he's like, let's do it at midnight and made a whole, got everybody on board, was like out politicking everybody. So we did it. And I remember it was the worst thing ever staying up that late. Yeah. I'm not a late night person. Yeah. It was awful. And I remember it was, we finished at like one and then a bunch of us went over to the end zone afterwards and had beers <laughs> after the work. That's awesome. Yeah. Just to say we did it. Yeah. I remember we, uh, somebody brought beers into the locker room for the last time that we ran decks yeah and we all celebrated that was so much fun that was such a blast did the coaches know about that i don't know i don't think they really well i'm sure saha knew but he just looked the other way we'll have to ask old tim about that one yeah i texted him the other day because uh i marcus henry i think is with dallas right now or he might be on their i don't know where he's at their um practice team or something but he texted me and he said, Hey, Saha's pissed that you haven't asked him to be on the podcast yet. <laughs> and so, so I texted him and, uh, and he, he was just like, yeah, right. Me on a podcast, whatever. And I was like, dude, you seriously, Saha is like the most requested guest besides Faraji for the really? podcast. Oh yeah. Well, Saha was in a Faraji rap song, wasn't he? I think he, I think, I think, uh, Faraji gave him the shout out in a song. Yeah. He gave him a shout out for sure. Yeah. I thought you meant like, maybe he like sampled some of his, no, he should, he should make an appearance in a, in a, that would video. be amazing. <laughs> well, and it's saw, you know, it's so funny. Cause like you didn't get the whole Saha experience. Like the transition from Pitt to Saha yeah. was an absolute disaster. Why, why is that? Well, like, cause Pitt was, you know, I mean, you know, Pitt, he's yeah. this tough guy. Oh, you know, I think lift he... a bunch of weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, he's calling you a pussy all the time. And, and then Saha comes in and he's more about like technique and speed work and like, you know, getting depth and doing, doing in the good form and not just like banging weights, like old school, that old school meathead mentality. And yeah. So we all thought he was soft. <laughs> 
So we would just give him the hardest time ever. It was, I think, finally, because my class was the first one that had Pitt and Saha. Yeah. When we graduated, he was, like, so happy. Yeah. Because everybody would just give it. Like, I remember him and Nick would get into, just get into it. And, like, one time, I he was telling us we were squatting. We were supposed to do, like, three reps. And it was heavy. Instead, I did, like, eight and I remember I racked the bar and he pulled, he grabbed me and pulled me out from under the bars, like yelling at me. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm going to do as much as I want. I don't care. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and we would yell at him. Like, I think it was Biederman that started it. Okay. He, we were doing gassers and Beads walks out. He was exhausted. Everybody was so tired. He goes, Hey, Saw, this is too easy. <laughs> and Saw just like, all right, keep running. And then everybody would start doing it. We'd start telling him his workout where it was easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it just became like a thing. Anytime we were doing anything hard, it was like, this is too easy. I, you just sparked a memory. Billy Wynn, when we were up running decks, Billy Wynn would yell stuff, but not like take credit for it. He'd try to yell it in like a different voice. Yeah. And he'd be like, Saha's a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> and all of us would be cracking up. Uh, oh, he used to get so. We would always be running the decks, and you'd look up at the top, and you'd be like, Ben Nonacchione would be getting tired. Oh, yeah. Ben, I, or no, Dan, it was Dan, I'd get tired, and Ben would always yell at him, Hey, hey, Dan, I see the beer garden. It's at the top of the deck. <laughs> so I'd get all mad at us, start yelling at us, yeah. and everything. Yeah. I remember uh, Anacchione, he was there when I was gray shirting, and I'd like go to practice and watch practice. Yep. And he would just get his ass kicked in one on ones. Yeah. And he would always just go, like, he'd get done and be like, Wow, that guy was really good. <laughs> 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 like JP just bull rushes the shit out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, JP was a little meatball. You remember when he broke Troutman's elbow? Oh my God. I forgot about that. Yeah. Holy they shit. They arm wrestled at the picnic? Yeah. Yeah. And, oh he, and Troutman was standing there with the Gatorade on it for like an hour Jesus, afterwards. Jesus. I forgot about that. Dude, Troutman passed away a couple years yeah. ago. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Damn. JP broke his elbow. I remember hearing it pop. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I remember it happened. I don't, I don't know if I saw it or not. Yeah. Yeah. That was wild. God. And he hung around the barbecue shaking everybody's hand with his broken <laughs> elbow and like, oh That guy's, gosh. that's a person that cares a lot about football. Oh yeah. Randy Troutman. That was all he cared about. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. I always thought it was cool how, yeah, they'd bring former players in, uh, but Lyle Smith would come to practice. He was there all the time. When he was like over 100 years old. I know. That was so cool. Well, and they let him work out in the weight room. Too. Yeah, yeah. He'd go walk on the treadmill. And I remember, uh, I think Pringle had to put him through workouts. Really? Yeah, he was over there doing like lap pull downs and stuff. Yeah. And it was awesome. He'd always talk to him for a little bit. And he would drive there. He was like 97. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, what's going on? <laughs> um, you know who I saw the other day who I, I, I missed? being in the old weight room when we got the new weight room because you wouldn't like mingle yeah, I, missed, with, I missed the old right weight room too yeah you wouldn't be able to mingle with like people from other teams or other coaches and stuff you just want to look at the, the volleyball players yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> or the soccer players yeah <laughs> um but greg Patton, the tennis coach yep. he was always in the weight room working out and he was the nicest freaking guy in the world and my dad and i when we got done with the mountain bike ride the other day we were riding by those tennis courts that are kind of by military reserve. Right. And he was coaching a kid. And so I was like, dad, we got to go talk to him because my dad knows him because they look exactly the same. Right. And so people always go up to my dad and they're like, Hey, coach Patton. And he's like, I'm not coach. Patton. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we went up there and we started chatting with him and he talked to us for like 20 minutes and he's just the nicest guy in the world. And 
he like invited us over to his house for a barbecue and stuff. Really? Yeah. And then we thought he was done coaching this kid. And he goes, I got to get back. This kid, <laughs> he's, got, he's got like 10 more minutes. <laughs> charged him like whatever, 50 bucks for you talking to you for 20 minutes. Yeah. But he's, dude, I, I had no idea that he was like so nationally recognized, Coach Patton. He's big time. Yeah. And he coaches like Olympians and stuff and oh. travels the world to coach people. I think he coached a bunch of like the big time tennis stars that are like big time now yeah. when they were like younger. Yeah. When they were on like the U.S. national team or whatever, yeah, yeah, he's a he's a great guy. I like, I, I like him a lot. I think I'm going to ask him to come on the podcast. I think he would. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. He's just one of those guys that's like not. He reminds me of Coach Pete. Like he's not bigger than anyone. You know. No, he's he's awesome. He's just super positive. Yeah. Always dancing around. I remember that used to drive me nuts. And I I don't know if they did this when you were playing, but we'd just be get just through a grinder practice. Then you go walk to the sub for lunch, and you walk by the tennis courts, and they're out there listening to music and hitting the ball around, and you're just like, "Oh, screw these guys!" Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like you get all mad about it. Yeah, I uh, I always remember watching. Um, I think Coach Jones coached the uh, the golfers. I think he did. Do you remember this? Yes. <laughs> and they'd be out there getting their asses handed to them in, in weights and conditioning by yes. Coach Jones. It'd be like, Coach Jones, they're they're golfers, man. They don't, <laughs> you're gonna make them worse at golf. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and then I remember the uh, Coach Russell was coaching the soccer girls, and I remember they were fucking beasts, man. Yeah, I thought they were better than us. Their conditioning sessions looked way harder than ours. Mm. <laughs> I thought so. I don't know. They didn't feel harder. The conditioning yeah. sessions always felt terrible. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you know, uh, Jones is at App State now. Yeah, and Russell's at um, Auburn. Auburn, yeah. Well, so this is this, you remember how Jones or Russell always used to say we were lazy and always screwing around and stuff like that. And he'd yeah. always get all mad at us. Yeah. Well, so when I'm in Charlotte, I'm uh, talking to Cam about Russell. And Cam says, oh, Russell used to talk about you guys all the time. Tell us how tough you were and how hard you worked oh and everything. God. I was like, oh, how the perspective has yeah, changed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because we used to screw around all the time. But we, we always worked really hard. Yeah. And I think he might – he just, I don't think at the time, could see through the screwing around the, how hard we were actually working. You yeah. Know? Well, when you go to Auburn and you get four- and five-star recruits right. that probably don't think they have to work as hard. Maybe. Yeah. Know. We had to because we were – no one was really that gifted, dude. I I love I love thinking back about like being in Georgia, and I remember we were warming up, and we like looked over at their D line, and Potter and I were like, "What the fuck are we doing here?" It was just cool because it was such like a hodgepodge group of dudes, and you know some guys that didn't really get a shot anywhere else, and some right. guys from California or the South that didn't get a shot any places, right. and a bunch of white dudes from Idaho. Well, I talked to Mark Paul recently, and he was saying. Uh, when he first got up here from Nevada, he had been here for like two months or something through spring ball. Yeah. And he says, uh, a friend down UNR calls him and says, oh, what's it like up there? You know, we've been beating the crap out of him for all these years. Yeah. And he goes, I don't know that we're going to win a game this year. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that was pretty much our team. And he'd look around and you go, how is this guy playing college football? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, I don't know. I, I thought it was cool. Looking back on it now, like a fucking quarterback like Kellen Moore. I know. Who just... He looks like a goofball walking through campus. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It, it was so cool. Yeah. And, well, and like I always say, I was always the worst athlete on the field in the NFL at all times. <laughs> I, it was every, every, all, at all times, I was the worst athlete on the field. Yeah. There's no question. So, so 
you played fullback and tight end at yeah. Carolina. Yep. Did you catch any balls? Yeah, I caught a couple. Yeah. I got a handoff or two. I don't think I was supposed to get the handoff. I think Tolbert was supposed to be in there. Yeah. Actually, I know he was supposed to be in there, but he got tired. Yeah. He would always tell me. He'd always look at me. He'd go, hey, man, if I tap my head, got to get just come running on. Yeah. So I ran out there the one time, and they called a play for him. It was a little fullback belly. Yeah. And then I heard later that they were all cussing on the headphones. Why isn't Tolbert in the game? <laughs> Why is Richie in there? Yeah. I, I think I got the first down. but Yeah. And then I had the Fumble Ruski yeah, touchdown. Yeah, I remember the Fumble Ruski. Yep. Yeah. One yeah. touchdown. Yeah. That's awesome. Crazy, man. couple catches. First catch, I think, was against Detroit. Okay. In Detroit. I think that was the first one. Yeah. Was it was it nerve-wracking going out there, like knowing that the dudes were a step above uh, the WAC conference? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, I felt pretty good. And I don't know. The, what cha- what changed was in college, I talked a lot of crap. In the NFL, I didn't talk as so much crap on the, on the field. Yeah. If I talked crap, they would try harder. <laughs> and I definitely didn't want anybody trying harder. Yeah. I mean, there was guys. If they tried hard, you were you were done. Yeah, like, you had no chance. Yeah. Um, who who was the craziest person you lined up against? Like skill wise, or just like or didn't, just a, didn't want to go against, or wise. like a big name, or yeah, didn't want to go against. I mean, I did block Chandler Jones one on one a couple times in pass pro Damn. when we were playing the Patriots on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I did pretty good. Yeah, I almost Alden Smith. I had to line up against him when he was in his prime a couple times. Yeah. He was pretty good. Yeah. He was like unblockable. Jeez. I had to, you know, and gosh, I had to block Luke in practice all the time. That was terrible. Yeah. Cause he was pretty good. Yeah. I think, I think what made our O line so much better was having to go against like Tyrone Crawford and Demarcus no Lawrence. And yeah. No question. Yeah. Well, I had to, uh, this one's, uh, the one night on Monday Night Football, we're playing against Philly up there and uh, we were punting directionally. So, you know, they they weren't blocking the backside wing on punt, which was me. Yeah. They probably weren't blocking me because I probably wasn't a huge threat. <laughs> or they were like, had okay, some... block everyone except for the least athletic person. Right, yeah, it's me. <laughs> well, they had probably some directional thing or whatever. That's yeah. what at least I tell myself. And so I'm running down the field, and I'm the first one down, and I'm blocked. And, you know, they had Devin Hester at the time. Jesus. Or not Devin Hester. It was... um. I can't think of it. It's a real shifty receiver in Philly. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Deshaun Jackson? Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm the first one down the field. I'm blocked. <laughs> I'm running down there. And I'm seeing him down there. I'm like, okay, here we go. Yeah. Okay, what are you going to do here? <laughs> so I'm like coming up on him. And then all of a sudden, he just hits me with a little whoop, like a little like sidestep. And, just, you know, I just went flying. Yeah. <laughs> I think I grabbed the ball and like kind of knocked it loose a little bit. And so I slowed him down. So I did. I kind of did my job. But it was yeah. like one of those things where you're just like, Wow, I just look so stupid. I'm, you're laying on the ground. I look so stupid on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I don't. I, if people pay attention to that stuff, I don't know. Nobody's watching pun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're getting a, they're getting a drink or some chips. Dude, I hated being on the front side of a screen. I liked being on the back side because I could peel and like right. blindside someone. But being on the front side, I would get so exposed for how unathletic I was. <laughs> 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 or like on on TED Toss, if I'd have to pull to the outside. Yeah, I'd just go to block someone, and I. The next second, I'd be laying on my face like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> yep. I had to block Sue one time. Oh, no way. Yeah, we ran like a fullback. It was like a little like uh, trap thing where they the guard let him go to get him off balance. And I had to go block him. And then we kind of ran right through the A-gap. Yeah. He was pretty big. Yeah. He was pretty did, good. Did, 
did you do well? Yeah, I did fine. I think the play yeah. went well. Nice. That's, that's how I remember it. Dude. I don't know if the film remembers it the same way, but I remember <laughs> it that way. Uh, it's never as bad as you get, as you think, and it's never as good as you think. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I, our senior year, when they were doing bowl projections, which start like, you know, two weeks before the end of the season or whatever, they were they were projecting us to play, um, oh, fuck, I can't, South Carolina? And it was uh, Jadavion Clowney played yeah. DN there. Uh-huh. And I, I remember like talking to like Marcus and I'm like, dude, my fucking final game, I'm going to have to play against Jadavion. <laughs> like this is going to be my memory right. of college football. Uh-huh. Yeah, and thanks. the week before he took off, you know, the running back at Michigan's helmet. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, it's just funny that we never, I don't think we ever played anyone with like a crazy defensive line guy um, besides Oh God, what's his name? From Georgia, I forget his name. I know he got drafted, but and, right. and a couple guys from uh, Southern Miss got drafted too. Yeah, um, but yeah, there was never like a huge name person that we played against. Well, we played Pittsburgh every year in Carolina oh. in the preseason. We played them in the regular. I think we played them in the regular season on. I don't. I don't remember if it was just a regular Sunday game. It might have been a Thursday night game or something. Yeah, but I had to block Harrison. I remember he hit me with a spin move. And it was the most physical spin move I've ever. Like he hit me with the, you bring the elbow around. Yeah. And I remember it hit me. It was like he hit me like normal, like it was a bull rush. Yeah. But it was a spin move. Jesus, that was crazy. Yeah. I uh, I looked to him for inspiration when I was in high school because I knew I wasn't athletic in high school. Right. But I was like, I was the best player on my team, and I like got all these accolades in the valley, and so I knew I was probably going to play football in college. Bishop and Kelly. Bishop Shout Kelly. Out. Oh yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> And I knew I wasn't that like gifted. And so that's why I just spent the whole like off season in the weight room and even during the season in the weight room. But Harrison, that's what he said. Like he knows he's not as good as other guys, but if he gets super strong, he can make up for it. He was pretty good. Yeah. I always thought that I could make up with it being smart. Yeah. <laughs> I always I would always say smart as speed. Yeah. I I think it was. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was. I managed to play five years. Yeah. And uh I think that helped. Yeah. But what I don't understand, this this drives me crazy. Testosterone's banned, obviously. Steroids are banned. Mm-hmm. But Adderall, you can get a prescription for it. So you're taking away my competitive advantage by allowing people to take Adderall. I I but and some people have naturally higher testosterone. Yeah. But I can't take testosterone to get to their level. Yeah. I always thought that was interesting. I I yeah, I had a few debates with this with people. With the in the like NFLPA, I was like, why are we letting people do this? This is like, it's chipping me. Yeah. What does Adderall do that gives you such an advantage? Well, like, so if you have ADD and you get a prescription, you can take it. Yeah. And it balances you out. Yeah. It helps you pay attention more in like meetings and whatever. But like, that's my advantage. Yeah. Is that I can sit there and I can focus and I can learn the playbook and I can. That's a great fucking point. But then, like... A guy can take a supplement that'll make him or just, as smart as you are. So, yeah, he can take the supplement to make his knowledge high, higher, but I can't take a supplement to make my body more athletic. Yeah, that's like, very interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Yeah. I've thought a lot about that. I've had a Fuck. lot of discussions with other it's players almost, that were in the similar shoes as me. It's almost like they they just test everyone at the beginning of the season, and they see who has the highest testosterone, and then nobody can... Supplement that, yeah. Nobody can go over that. Yep, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's like it's not fair. Yeah, I, I we can go down this route if you want, but Idaho, 
just uh I know it's going to the I don't know if it's going to the Supreme Court of Idaho or or what, but the transgenders oh, man. playing sports. Do you want to get into this? I don't care. <laughs> like that just to me, it's like how does that that doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense to me either. Um so Tyler Shoemaker was telling me he wants to start either a podcast or a blog or something and call it the reasonable list. Right. Where you're just you look at certain issues like like singular issues and it's nonpartisan. You just say, what's the most reasonable thing we do here? Uh, a dude probably shouldn't be wrestling chicks. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, and, I, and it's like uh, Rogan always talks about it all the time. It's just your bone structures. do, And, and yeah. like the prime example of this obviously is fighting. Yeah. And I think that's probably why Rogan's so adamant about it is because your bone structure is different you can punch harder. And, like, I think if somebody came out, you know, to play football, I mean, it's just like. Uh, well, I even think if a guy went and played basketball against a bunch of girls. height advantage instantly. Yeah. yeah. Men and, are just naturally taller than women. There's some tall women. A lot of them play college basketball. But, like, I automatically can be an average guy and have an advantage just because I'm naturally taller. Or you can box out because you're stronger. You can get all the rebounds, all that stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't understand how people don't see that as a reasonable solution. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know. It's I mean, a, it's a it's a wild world. Yeah, it's so wild. It's so bizarre. Um that's he, going to so that's going to the Supreme Court in Idaho right now? I don't know if it's going to the Supreme Court in Idaho, but I know I think the you know, Idaho House of Representatives passed it and then some judge appealed it or something. I don't really know what stage it's at. But I know they tried to pass that law where um, transgenders couldn't play in whatever sport they wanted to. They had to stick to their like assigned at birth gender. Um, but I know it got appealed and it's going to some court. So yeah, but I, it's like you go down this whole road and all of a sudden it was just like, why not just have no, just have sports? Yeah. Instead of men's sports and women's sports, we just have sports. Yeah. I I seriously I don't know why those people wouldn't make that argument. Because yeah. if like gender is a construct and it doesn't exist, then why are there two basketball teams? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, let's just have sports. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think that's right. I don't. I think, think we should have men's sports and women's sports. I think we should have men's sports and women's sports. I think, too. I think it's great. Uh, I think. I, I think it's great. Like, and, and yeah, it just gives. It's just so many more opportunities. Well, you're you're a father. Yeah. And you have two little girls, right? I have a little girl and a little boy. Or a little girl and a little yep. boy. So when your daughter is playing softball in high school and she has to go, she has to like hit against a 6'3 first baseman who now identifies as a woman, I don't think that that's very fair. No. And she shouldn't play baseball. Yeah. She should play softball. Yeah. Did I say baseball? No, you said softball. Yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. thinking like, like, you know, it just... You shouldn't have crossover. Yeah. It just doesn't make like you either have it one way or the other and you're trying to when you like when you start to blend everything and start to try to do like then why not just combine it all? Why yeah. why even like just doesn't yeah. I don't know, you can't you can adjust rules and make little nuances, then you just make it so complicated and then it's just so it just turns into a mess. Yeah. Like yeah. just keep it simple. Yeah. And call it a day. And keep it reasonable. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, 
Have you uh, have you talked to Tyler a lot lately? Tyler Shoemaker? No, I haven't. So he started he started riding mountain bikes with Swike. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know. Actually, Swike's coming over on Thursday to do this with me. Oh, sweet. And uh, I want to talk to him about mountain biking. But is he like sponsored now? I don't know if he's he's big timey a couple times, and you can tell him he's big timey. I've called what? him a few times, and he hasn't called me back. Oh, seriously? Yep, I'll say that on the podcast. <laughs> um, but Tyler was telling me that he went out with him for his first mountain bike ride, and Swike took him like twenty five miles. <laughs> and Tyler was just like destroyed. Yep, it's like uh, I don't know if I want a mountain bike anymore. Like that was his introduction to it. Well, that's usually why I don't do things with other people. Yeah. I usually like mountain biking. I go by myself. Yeah, because I don't want to be the guy that like holds everybody up. Yeah. So I just like low key train all the time. <laughs> and then all of a sudden when I feel confident enough, I'll go out with other people. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm in terrible shape right now. That's why I've been running on my own and biking on my own. Yeah. Do you, do you go mountain biking or do you bike on the street? Uh, both. Yeah. And I've been running a little bit more. Like I'm under 220 now. Wow. Holy shit. Yeah. Damn. I got down to 220 and I never cracked it. I cracked it. That's well, awesome. Well, I, I didn't fish. I had jeans, my cell phone in my pocket. A sh- polo shirt on, got on the scale first thing in the morning. After actually, after breakfast, yeah, I was two twenty two. Wow! So I consider that two twenty two. Yeah, totally. Damn, that's awesome. Yep. And you said you've been trying to train yourself to not like get your heart rate up super high, but keep it low and and be able to go for a long time. Yeah, I've been trying to do more endurance training because I just feel that's more applicable to what I want to do with skiing, mountain biking, and so I've been doing these runs in the morning. I get up 4.30. I run for like an hour. I try to keep my heart rate under like 130. Yeah. So originally it was like 12 and a half minute miles. I'm down to like 10 now. Wow. It's been a month and a half. Yeah. And I can keep my heart rate under 130 and hold that. Like I, I think my last one, I ran five miles. I averaged a 125 heart rate at a 10 minute mile pace. Wow. That's awesome. So it's starting to tick down. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's funny... You were talking about that the other day when we got beers. You were talking about how you think you have more of a fast twitch muscle, like you're trained right. for fast twitch stuff. Since I've been riding mountain bikes with my dad, which I haven't gone that often. I think we've gone like six times. And I get so frustrated on the uphills because right. I'm like, I could pick the bike up and just sprint up this. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is this taking 10 minutes? But then you'd have to rest. Yeah. And then sprint again. Yeah. And then rest. Yeah. And then sprint again. Which I, I like that. I'm a fucking offensive that's, lineman. That's why you're wearing your stupid CrossFit shirt. Yeah, I know. I will never do CrossFit. <laughs> you do CrossFit style stuff though, don't you? Sometimes. I went through a phase. You can't call it stupid because it's my business that I'm trying to grow. <laughs> I can do whatever I want. I, I so dude, it's it's even if you shit on CrossFit and you think that the gyms aren't great, whatever. Wait, but, I, I I think the gyms are great. Okay. I think the gyms are great. Okay. I'm just saying the style of workouts are f- very fun. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What were you going to say? <laughs> <laughs> so what I think, okay, here's what I think about CrossFit. I think it's a great community. That's why I love the gyms. I think the gyms are great because it's going to bring people in that want to work out and do all this stuff. I just, I don't know that it fits what I need out of a workout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's totally fine. Right. And people can seek out whatever kind of workouts they want. Right. A lot of the people that come in our come into our gym are people that may not have exercised that much. And so it's just kind of an introduction. But then that, that's like the worst thing for them, isn't it? No, not at all. 
It's just teaching them how to move and teaching them how to pace themselves. But aren't and you just going to overload them with crap? No, no. We'll simplify. If they've never done a snatch before, they're not going to snatch on their first day. Yeah, but CrossFit's about the burnout, right? No. <laughs> Come on, Here man. I am just trying to crap all over your business. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, I, I, I think if people are exercising and they're around a crowd of people that are teaching them how to eat right, all that stuff, right. we're doing something okay for society. Well, but that goes into the community. Yeah. I think that's good. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I could see why people don't like it. Um, but there's, if, if it doesn't fit you, then people can go do something else. I just hate gyms in general. Yeah. That's why I have a home gym. Yeah. And I'll always have a home gym. Well, you know what? What really pissed me off is when they were going to start closing stuff back down and they dropped the gatherings of 50 people back down to gatherings of 10 people. Right. There was a recommendation from the White House to close gyms in Idaho because Idaho was seeing a higher amount of cases, whatever. And they lumped CrossFit gyms in with like all the axioms. Right. And it's like, okay, we have classes of 10 people. We have ton of airflow there's social distancing like everyone stays in their little squares like we set it up perfect we bleach everything after every workout and like axiom people don't clean up after themselves like they can use right. a bench and sweat all over the bench and then the next person comes in and uses it and they get a thousand people coming through there every night right so it's like i, I don't understand how they could lump us in with that or jujitsu gyms in with that or yoga or whatever right and i i'm with you i hate the big box gyms yeah. Yeah. I just don't like gyms. Yeah. My pro- so here's my problem with gyms. I would just never go. Because you're telling me I got to take... So I got to get dressed. I got to get my keys. I got to get my wallet. I got to get chain. I got to get in the car. I got to drive there. I got to get there. I got to s- walk around, figure out what I'm going to do. I got to wait for some guy to stop using the whatever machine or the yeah. dumbbells I need. And then some guy's going to mean mug me while I'm trying to do something. <laughs> and then like... And then, okay, now I'm done. Now I got to go. I got to leave. I got to go back home. So I just burn like an hour of just transition time. Yeah. I just like wake up now. I literally stumble down into my weight room. Probably lay on the ground and foam roll for longer than I should because I'm tired. <laughs> and then uh, start working out. Yeah. Do you, do you listen to music while you work out or do you listen to podcasts? Uh, when I lift, I usually don't listen to anything. Okay. And then when I'm running, I've been podcasting. But sometimes I go nothing. Yeah. I rarely do music. Yeah. Do you do you ever listen to audiobooks? No. I've never gotten into that. I've never tried it. I've never tried it either. I should, but I I've never tried it. I, I don't want to pay for the subscription. I'm too cheap. Yeah. The it's like ten dollars a book, but I know you can get I know the like Boise Public Library has an app that you can get. Right. Um and you can get the books free through that. But I I've never done it. And to me, since I've gotten older, I feel like it's a chore to sit down and open a book. I mean, I still do it and I read a lot. Right. But like, it's like, okay, I could be, I could be listening to this while I do yard work. Right. But. Yeah. But podcasts kind of make up for that a little bit. Yeah. That's learning. Yeah. Depends what podcast you listen to. Yeah. Dan Carlin. Oh dude. I love Dan Carlin. And I got into, oh my God. So we talked about the blueprint, blueprint for Armageddon one. Yep. And then. I have I still have not listened to The Wrath of the Cons. I haven't listened to that one. Which I want to listen to that one. But I listened to another one um about something something that happened in China. It was like the Chinese Japanese wars. And that I one listened was, to that one. That about, one was awesome. That guy that was like still thinking the war was going oh. on like thirty years later. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. 
up in the hills. Yeah. Following commands of yeah. like a dude that died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Did now, you did you ever think about going into the military? So Army was recruiting me pretty hard out of high school. So I kind of thought about it, but the, in the back of my head, I thought there might be something beyond college as far as football-wise. Yeah. And it was never really my plan, but for whatever reason, I was just thinking that. And they have the six-year commitment, and they would tell me, oh, you know, you, the, the military will be flexible, and I don't know. I just That was kind of one of my first offers was Army, and I just... I don't know. It just kind of fell apart. But never after you got done playing football, did you think? No. Yeah. I just went right into being a CPA. Yeah. And you, you disliked being a CPA. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I I disliked sitting at a desk all day. Yeah. That was like, that was awful. I just, I'm just can't, I need to be around people more and stuff like this. Yeah. This is way better. Yeah. Sitting and talking and helping people and, you know, I'd sit there and we'd do a tax turn and you'd probably do it wrong because it was complicated. And then you get review notes and you're just, it's just a constant battle. Yeah. And I want to be out helping people. And when I see these transactions, like somebody do this deal and make all this money and like, well, I want to do the deal. I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to put it on this return. I want to do the deal. So that was kind of why I got into real estate. Yeah. And I know you, you and I talked about it before, how it's it's hard with certain jobs. Um, the less work you do, you make the same amount of money. Right. And it's it's almost like, okay, well, what's the point of putting in more work if I'm not going to make more money? Oh, yeah. Well, and that's that's like, that was my biggest problem. It's like, I need incentives. Yeah. They either need to be negative incentives or positive incentives. And, you know, if it's a, it's a job, so it should probably be monetarily incentivized. Yeah. And it wasn't. I mean, okay, maybe it was like you get a little, like an extra $500 bonus or a $1,000 bonus, but that, that doesn't move the needle. Yeah. You know, I want like a $50,000 bonus yeah. or something, you know, that, yeah. oh, that'll make me work hard, but oh, you're going to give me an extra 500 bucks, but I got to put in an extra like 60 hours <laughs> to get it or like no chance, yeah. you know? So, so what made you decide real estate? Um, I don't know. Well, I do know. Let me think. So I'm trying to think of a good way to put it to words. Well, you and Nick were good friends in college, right? Yeah. Nick and I were good friends and no, nobody made fun of realtors more than me. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to give him such a hard time. I remember when Nick first became, I gave him a super hard time. Yeah. But then I started. That's why th- when you told me that you were doing real estate, I was like, oh shit, Nick hired Richie to be like the CPA for the company. Yeah. And then you told me that you're a realtor and I'm like, holy shit, that's yeah, I mean, I I guess I used to make fun of them more out of lack of knowledge. And there are a lot, and a lot don't do a great job. So it kind of gets that stigma to it. So I, I just had this perception of what it was. But, you know, when you see guys doing it and doing a quality job, you realize, oh, my gosh, this is really a lot of work, and it's really hard, it's really rewarding. And, you know, it's kind of that that drew me to it. And just, you know, I want to... I want to grow my own wealth. And I was thinking, well, how do I do like, if I want real estate to be a part of my overall financial portfolio, how am I going to do that? Well, I got to be in the market. Yeah. Especially in Boise where it's so competitive and there's so few like great deals. You got to be at the forefront on the front lines. If you want to get deals done and you want to make the right connections and find the right, you know, properties, you got to, you got to be in it all the time. And that was kind of what drew me to it. Gotcha. 
That's awesome. And I love helping people too. And that that's kind of been the fun part is meeting new people, growing new relationships and just being out and having, having fun. Yeah. Have you, <laughs> I know we talked about this a little bit, but the, the getting out and meeting people and talking to people and having conversations, like I'm obsessed with that. And that's right. why I started the podcast. It's just a great excuse to get together with people. Right. Um, but have you ever thought about running for public office? Um, I would say it's crossed my mind a few times. I think I'd probably really like it. I just don't know that I ever want to do it. Yeah. And that's where I am too. It's like, I mean, I don't want to be like this huge center of attention and public scrutiny and all that stuff. Like if I misuse a word or something like, right. You know, people will tear you apart for that. But the, the part that intrigues me about it is how much you get to get out and like meet business owners and stuff. And I don't know how, like what the best way to incorporate that, it incorporate that into my life now is. And that's what I've been thinking about the podcast is like, okay, I fucking love big bun and I go there all the time. Right. I should probably figure out who owns that place and have a conversation with them. Yeah. Yeah. Or tell them I need to be a sponsor. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. If they, if they just give me a couple free milkshakes a week, right. I'll, I'll plug them all day. Well, yeah, beers and big bun every, oh, every yeah. episode. Yeah. Sit down, have our beers, big bun. Yeah. <laughs> Do you go there? No. No. What was your... Oh, you went to uh, Bad Boys in college, right? The, I was Los Betos. Oh, Los Betos. I, there was weeks I probably went to Los Betos five times a week. <laughs> I would eat two. I'd get the carne asada burrito and the bacon breakfast burrito. Oh, my both. God. Jesus. I'll, I'll do... <laughs> You know what's sad is I still sometimes get two from there. Oh, you're so <laughs> fat. Oh, my God. I'll do the uh, – well, my wife and I, we eat fairly healthy all the time. And then it's like, okay, Saturday night. It's like, and then oh, eat two Los Betos burritos. The Loco burrito and the California burrito. And they have French fries in the California you burrito. Idaho burrito? I'll do the Idaho burrito yeah. every once in a while, yeah. I remember they used to be like three ninety nine. Yeah. And they, ridiculous. It's, it's these cheap fast food places where they like just keep putting tape over it uh-huh. and, and raising the price. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember one time Paul Lucarillo ate three. Oh, my God. Three. What the fuck is Paul Lucarillo doing I now? Know. Yeah. I, uh, I, I had this conversation, I think, with Tyler. Garrett Pendergast is yep. doing really well. Really? Yeah. He's got a good job, and I think he's married. What's he do? I, I don't know. I assume it's something engineering related right uh, but i'm not i'm not quite sure but that's something with the podcast too it's like i want to connect with guys that i haven't seen in 10 years yeah huh but i wonder who the most successful ex-boise state football player is it's probably nick schleckaway <laughs> or someone in the nfl or faraji yeah who i don't else? know who else do you think there's i mean gotta what be, you... there's got to be some guy that played in like the 80s it's like super oh sick. Dude, somebody posted, do you follow the Barstool Broncos thing on Instagram? You should. I know you're not a social media guy. No. But they had a video from the 80s of, it was a post-Wazoo game, and a Boise State football player punched one of the Wazoo coaches (laughs) in the face. Have you seen that? (laughs) No. I think it was like Tim O'Connor. Does that name? I've heard that name. Yeah. Yeah. That dude punched a Wazoo coach in the face. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean... There's got to be someone out there that is it's just stupid. Yeah. There's got to be. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I watched uh, that new 
marketing video that Schleck put out the other day. Oh, that's pretty sweet, right? It was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and I was talking to Sam McCaskill about it, and Sam's like, oh, dude, I was ready to run through a brick wall after I watched that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's cool. I think it's awesome that he is like helping people transition after they're done playing sports. It just seems like a ton of former boy state athletes are there, but he's like developing them and developing skills and stuff. It's not just like, okay, go out and sell. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole training program and everything. He's done a great job and it's been fun to watch him grow the whole thing from the very beginning. I mean, I've been very fortunate to see kind of his whole process through that and, it's it's amazing what he's done with it. Yeah. Well, cause, and, and you know you know that transition is not easy. I mean, how how did you transition? What was that like for you? Uh, well, I've been very open about it, talking about it on the podcast. I had a I had a very tough time. Um, right. Just because there was nothing really set up for us to do, and you know, I got a job right away at Saint Alphonsus throwing boxes in the storeroom. I finished my master's degree, and I found CrossFit, and CrossFit was like the thing that filled the void of football for me. Right. And it was like a scheduled thing. It's like, I got to have my nutrition dialed. It was this thing that I always looked forward to going to, and it was something I could always work on. And there was a new skill that I could work on. And it was a community of people that were like-minded and all wanted to work on something together. So it, it was tough, but I think I was fortunate because I had a good support group around me and stuff. But, you know, I worry about the people who don't have that support group. And right. If I didn't have that support group, I, I don't know if I would have started doing drugs or drinking more or or what, you know. So, yeah, I, yeah, that's gosh, the football transition is so weird because it's you know, and even guys that have plans, like I had a plan, yeah, and it was still super hard. Like I, it was, and I don't even know that I missed playing. It was just, it's just weird transitioning out of that environment. I don't really know how to describe it, and you get like. There's something about the competition of football and you may not even like football, but you might like the competition and like you could be over it, tired of it, but then you go into something different. You don't have that like hyper competition and like you can have goals and work towards something, but there's still like something missing no matter what it is. And I've seen that with a lot of guys, even yeah. guys with plans. It's just different. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I think it's weird because you're, when you graduate, you're a senior, and with our program, you've won a bunch of games, and you've been successful, and you've been around a guy like Coach Pete who, you know, is always injecting this awesome life advice stuff into you every single team meeting, and there's always that overarching goal of, I need to be a better football player, and so all of your decisions are you know, in some way kind of tied to that. I need to be a right. better football player. Like even your social decisions when you're out doing stuff with people. Um, and then obviously nutrition, lifting weights, um, trying not to get injured. Like I right. probably didn't do a lot of, you know, stuff I would have wanted to do when I was in the prime, like physical condition of my life. Like I didn't go climb Mount Bora. I did it afterwards and my knees yeah. got super fucked up. <laughs> and like, I didn't ski, I didn't skateboard, I didn't do right. any of that stuff because I wanted to be a better football player. Um, and then it's being around a huge group of like-minded people. And then you have all the resources in the world too with like athletic training, nutrition, um, lifting. Well, I think I honestly think the biggest thing is you've got this, the locker room, there's like almost like everybody has their guard down. 
Yeah. Everybody can be vulnerable. Everybody can be honest. Everybody can just be themselves. And then when you transition out of football, all of a sudden it's not like that anymore. And that, that I think is the hardest piece because you can, you have these relationships with guys that you can be totally yourself with because you have to be vulnerable to play. I mean, you're getting, you're out on the field and that's, that's a weird spot and you have to be completely open to criticism and everything and just guys giving you a hard time. And it's, it's like this vacuum of just truth, Yeah, you know, and you get out of that and you get into the world and it's it's not like that. Yeah. You know, you know, you can't just totally let your guard down with everybody and you can't instantly bond with like somebody new would come in and you have that instant bond with them because you're going through the same thing. And when I transitioned out of the NFL, I even noticed that even my wife had a hard time because even the wives were kind of like that too because oh, they were all going through the same thing with their husbands. They all had this this bond together and this honesty and truth and you could talk about anything. Yeah. And all of a sudden you get back and it's like, well, I can't do that anymore. It's kind yeah. of weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah. I think I think something weird that happened to me was when I was working at St. Al's, I remember asking someone to help me with something. And I don't even remember what it was. It was like we were redoing the crash carts in the hospital or something. And the guy looked at me and he goes, well, that's not in my job description. Right. And, and I was like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, that? <laughs> does that even matter? Can you help me with this? Right. It's like at Boise State, nobody would have said that. No. It's like, can you help me with this? Oh, yeah, fuck sure. yeah. Like, we'll help each other yeah, let's out. Let's do it. Because you're part of the same team, and it all goes towards that one goal. It right. was just a weird... And the dude was like 50 years old. That was the other thing. It's right. like, oh my God, there's like losers that are 50. Like, yeah. that was just a weird thing to be right. around. Do you think he's listening to the podcast? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> probably. <laughs> there's probably like 10 dudes that are like, oh shit, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's because the fucking losers get weeded out, and you're around. Like you have to be on top of your game all the time. Yep. You're always a little bit paranoid about stuff, and well, that's what people always ask me about the NFL. And they say, "What, what are these guys like? Are they all just a bunch of thugs or whatever?" And it's like, well, no, because like the higher you get up, eventually all those idiots make mistakes and they fall out because yeah. they can't make it. So once you get to the NFL, I mean, you're talking about great guy, like just good people. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, obviously there's going to be some bad ones that get in there every now and again, but they don't last. Yeah. They fall out. You know, so the the really like good people are the ones that make it to the top just because you have to have your, you have to have it together enough to be able to show up every day. Yeah. Because eventually, and if, and if you're faking it, you'd only fake it so long. Eventually you're going to fall out. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody's great people and you're around awesome people all the time you know it's it's great yeah yeah i don't i don't know it's it's so bizarre that not more people are exposed to something like that and i think it's cool being part of a big team that all has that same goal that like unifies you and they're i mean college football is probably the most diverse place in the world maybe the nfl is more diverse than that but it's like all these dudes from so many different backgrounds but there's one thing that binds them all together and you can have disagreements about shit and you can get in fights about whatever, but you're still all part of the same team. Yeah. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. It's like people used to be like that in America. Right. You know? And now it's like, I don't know. It's just weird. Like I, I like feeling like I'm part of a team. Even if I disagree with someone, even if we have the same goals, (laughs) what, what, it just made me think of the time uh, 
You remember when Kyle Wilson and I made you and Tommy Smith hug in your spandex? Yeah. <laughs> she goes fighting on the field. Dude, Tommy, I, I follow Tommy on Instagram and he's coaching. I know. In in Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. But I still remember that. We were you guys were fighting over some stupid in practice. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Yeah. You were probably cheap shotting him. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and Kyle uh, and I made you guys hug in your spandex <laughs> after practice. I think we had to like hold hands and like walk around probably. the field too. Yeah. 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 But it was shit like that. It's like yep. You get in a fight with someone and Coach Pete comes up and he goes, hey, uh, I'm going to force you guys to be friends now. Like, yeah. you disagreed. Now you're going to have to Your agree. lockers are going to be next to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and that's funny. Uh, I got in a fight with JP one time. I think it was like during one-on-ones or whatever. Wait, you got in a fight? In practice? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the time. Uh, uh, and it's just funny how quickly, like, you had to hold hands and run around the field until they tell you, like, okay, you guys are done. Uh-huh. And... It's funny how quickly you become friends when you have to run around. And like I start running and I'm holding his hand. JP's like, hey, slow down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) He would say that. Um, JP stayed on my couch when he first got up here. Oh, really? He broke my couch because he was so fat. Uh, I think JP's doing well now. He fucking owns like a taco truck or something. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Does catering. Yeah. Yeah. Good for JP. Chef, Chef JP. He was so fat, but he was so strong, dude. He was insanely strong. He was he one had of those boiler. <laughs> he had the big boiler, right? He was one of those guys that I hated going one on one against because he could bull rush the shit out of he you. He was so strong, and but he had leverage. But he had a quick spin move too, and so it was like you didn't really know what to expect. Whereas like a guy like I don't know, like Shay, I wasn't too worried about. Like if he bull rushed right. me, I'd probably be okay. But I was always worried about the other moves. You know? Right. Whereas JP, it's like, okay, I'm ready for the fucking bull rush. And then that quick swim move comes. Yeah. Um, and Billy Wynn was the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Billy. Yeah. I wonder what... I don't know. Did he get cut? I have no idea. I think he's working out on his own right now. Um, I have no clue. But he was always a fucking nice dude, too. He was weird, but he was so nice and hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. It's cool to see how successful he was. And I think he and Dice were on... Uh, Denver at the same time. I have no idea. Yeah, yeah. Do you talk to Dice now about Carolina? Yeah, we we've had a few. Yeah, we've talked about it a few times. Like right when he signed down there, we were chatting about it. Yeah, it's great. I'm glad he's down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fits in. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was down there right before the lockout. Really? Yeah, I went to. I was in Charlotte right as everything was like going down the tubes. It was in March. March, or? yeah, and then it was kind of cool because we went to Charleston and. You know, nobody was down there. So Charleston was like empty. Yeah. You know, the restaurants were all still open. So we're going in like the best restaurants in Charleston. Just walking in. We got the kids. And like, we're just sitting. <laughs> and we're the only ones in the restaurant. It was great. Yeah. We were in, uh, I think it was March 6th or something. We were at Disneyland. And it was kind of like that. It was kind of yeah. like half capacity. <laughs> and my, my wife got sick on the first ride we went on. <laughs> so I went and rode a bunch of rides by myself. And I was like sitting next to little kids. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the little trains. You're like packed into the little trains going over the little hills. There, I have a picture from uh, Space Mountain where like I wanted to get a fucking row by myself and I was like trying to wait for that to happen. And there was like a family of five and they're yeah. like, and you, come on. <laughs> and so I had to sit next to this little girl. Pictures of you hanging out with Mickey, sitting on Mickey's yeah. lap. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. geez. But yeah, it was the same thing. It was like right before the the lockdown stuff happened. And I think they closed Disneyland like the next week. What do you think about the not no college football season? I think it's insane. So do I. I think it's 
insane. I mean, here we have high school. Yeah. Here we have the NFL. (laughs) I got to tell you one thing about the high school. So I think Barstool Sports or somewhere posted this picture and it was a map of the U.S. and it showed who's doing who's doing high school football and who's not yeah and it had like green states and red states and then vermont it said uh doing seven on seven only and it's like what the fuck are all the o-linemen gonna do <laughs> but sorry oh jeez. i just yeah. don't understand like if the nfl nba nhl mlb if all those can figure it out why did the ncaa say hey uh individual conferences you figure it out because the sec's playing right well i don't know are they yeah i think they are I hate the SEC. <laughs> well, and you know, th- this is this is the problem with the NCAA is they don't they want to be in charge, but then they don't take charge. It's like this weird like big brother that just like if you step out of line, they beat you up, but then they want you to make all the decisions. Yeah, it's it's like it's weird because I mean, just make a rule like we're doing it or we're not. Yeah, what's what's the deal? Like why why do we even have the NCAA? Like why why aren't these conferences running themselves? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me because. I mean, make a rule. Yeah. Like, come up with something. Yeah, I I thought it was weird how we had NCAA compliance officers. Like, we had a whole compliance office at Boise State. I know. Yeah. There were three or four different employees that have to come and (laughs) do presentations, and nobody fucking liked them. They were the bad guy in every situation. Yeah. What do you think about these guys getting paid now? Or they, they have the ability to get earn money I, I guess i don't know in what aspect they can but i think it's good i think i, mean, I hate it you hate it i hate it really absolutely yeah why well so like as I, an anti-ncaa guy i can't believe that you would hate that i hate it completely because so they can make money off their likeness now right so yeah. like names or whatever but to me like think about the guys we've played with who could actually make money like two dudes two yeah maybe yeah and that's at Boise State. Who can actually make money at like Wyoming? Yeah. New Mexico State. Yeah. Nobody. So, the, so do you so think it would it would ruin the social relationship my, between no, the guys? No, 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 no. Here's my point. You're ba- you're making a rule based on the outliers, like the complete outliers. There's a few guys every like five years that are gonna actually make money. Yeah. So here's what's gonna happen instead. Instead of benefiting a massive amount of people in the NCAA, it's gonna just lead to corruption. Because now you're in the SEC. Let's say you want to funnel money. You're a booster. Well, you just start a company for some kid oh. and sell tchotchke. And then one booster buys $300,000 worth of it. And just it's stickers with his name on it. Yeah. It costs half a cent to make. Yeah. And then you just funnel all his money to this kid. Right? Yeah. That's not going to happen in Boise or Toledo or wherever. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you're just you're just creating this power vacuum still, and it's not really helping. I wonder how, if there's going to be any checks and balances on stuff like that. Like, what... Com- how could there be? What, what If you're a booster and you want to spend $300,000 to buy all these kids' bumper stickers, like... Yeah. You're, you're opening... You're, you're creating, like, a free market, but then... It's just it's just weird. It just yeah, doesn't make no, any sense. No regulation. Um, I assume there's going to have to be some sort of regulation because if a kid all of a sudden makes a hundred grand, somebody's gonna yeah, it's going to raise. Cam could have made a hundred grand. Yeah, totally. But that that's who you were passing the law for, and there's there's only a few of those like Tebow. Yeah, he could have made a ton of money, but Kellen probably could have made a decent amount of money in Boise, but not a lot. Yeah. So it's like. Who are you really passing this law for? Yeah, you know if the and my thing in college, if you really want to make money, go to the league. Yeah, 
If you really think you can make that much money, go to the league. Yeah, why why do you have to play what is it? Do you have to play two years or three years? I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, and before you're draft eligible. But here's the here's the, here's what they should have done. If you want to try to make money off your likeness, you've got to waive your scholarship. Oh. That's but a you're great still, idea. But you're still held to all the academic standards. Yeah. You gotta pay for your own school, you gotta pay for your own room and board. And you still gotta go to class and get all these grades if you wanna play. Yeah. So if you think you can make enough money, waive your scholarship. Yeah. It'll force you into a situation that you have to learn how to budget and yeah. take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part to it that's kind of weird is you're going to get all these CV people that come in. Oh, I'll represent your business. I'll get it started for you. I'll take 50% of the profits. Yeah. And like Kids are going to get taken advantage of. Yeah. Unless universities have like... And I don't know how they could, or it would seem corrupt if they ran it like through their athletic department. That doesn't seem right. Well, that's what that, I was that seems say like is, it would lead to a lot of corruption. That's but, what I was going to say is that the compliance officers are probably going to have to have some sort of check and balance on who's sponsoring who. Right. So, I don't know, dude. I just I'm I'm thinking about what I could have got sponsored by when I was playing at BSU. Uh, nothing. I, I had nothing. Skull. <laughs> Skull dip. <laughs> <laughs> or some local brewery or something. I, I would add nothing. Yeah. Los Betos. Jean Shorts. <laughs> uh, That's about it. Yeah. I, I had nothing going for me. Yeah. I don't know. It would be fun to get sponsored by like some cool local company like uh, like Cobby's or right. like the End Zone. <laughs> that might have happened. Yeah. <laughs> My well, and that's that's funny because you think I think about my brother where he's a pro skateboarder. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like I'll see him. He's got all these random sponsors or whatever. Like he had some store down in California that was like some outdoor store. And Dude, I forgot. Stuff. I forgot that about your brother. And uh, I think the one time he was in Thrasher magazine, he had like some like eleven page spread, and was, they, there was like a big bowl like shout out to Coors Light or something. I was like, they should at least send you like. Half a dozen 30 packs for that. Like, yeah. come on, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, talk about just like random sponsors, but. So how does how does his sponsorships work? I mean, does it, you know, he has to mention them a certain amount of times in the media or something, or? I think it has a lot to do with, like, pictures and uh, magazines and stuff. Like, so if your hat, like, you have a hat with a logo on it. And, you know, part of it, too, is his deck sales. Like, he's got his name on, like, the boards. Okay. So, like, part of it's royalties off that. Gotcha. What what company is that? Uh, Real. Okay. Yeah, he's got Real. He's got, a, I think, Spitfire Wheels. That's awesome. I don't, I don't know. I don't know all these skateboard brands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I started following... Um, oh, people are going to get fucking mad at me if I pronounce his name wrong, but I think it's Enjaya. He's, like, the biggest skateboarder in the world right now i think he's like 27 years old but i don't understand how like when i was in high school or middle school people would shit on the skateboard kids and they'd say they were like burnouts and they weren't good at anything right but like i watch the way that guy performs and it's like he's better than i was at football at skateboarding right you know obviously he put in the work he put in the time he's he does like fitness stuff to stay in shape for that yeah, my brother has to work out now. It's really funny. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know why skateboarding got such a bad rap. Yeah, uh, but it was just generalized. It was like dumb jocks. Yeah, yeah. You know, same thing. Yeah, but I mean, there I've seen... all the burnouts. We're the dumb jocks. But then, you know, there's people that aren't within the subculture or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. 
I, uh, it's funny that you mentioned that my wife had a revelation about me. Uh, like, I feel like I was kind of bullied in high school because right. I was the jock. Like I, people thought I was stupid and stuff because I spent right. so much time in the weight room. Wait, you weren't? <laughs> I got pretty. You did go to Bishop Kelly, I guess. <laughs> I got pretty good grades, and I got a. I What's fucking, pretty good grades? Well, in high school, I don't really know, but I got into C's college good degrees. Yeah, yeah. No, I started taking my academics pretty damn seriously. Right. Um, when I when I realized I wanted to get into grad school, but I just think it's just funny how like people think you have a free ride and stuff because you're a football player and all right. these things. And it's like, no, I actually fucking worked hard at a lot of that stuff. and Yeah, it wasn't easy. Yeah, it wasn't easy at all. You graduated in three years, huh? Yep. Yeah. Took like 20 credits a semester. Fuck, dude. And I don't think people realize that. It was terrible. <laughs> I don't know how I did it. You, I don't know that I could go back and do it again. Really? I have no idea how I did it. Yeah. And I had a social life somehow. You were the reason that I got into grad school. I hope you oh, know that. Oh, sweet. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, fuck yeah. Cool. Uh, you... <laughs> And I, I give this advice to everyone, like every right. football player that I talk to, do not listen to Gabe Rosenvall. Because <laughs> he he would have stretched my undergrad out for six years. Yeah. And you were like, no, dude, load up in the summer, take as many classes as you can, and like um you can take some of these online classes that'll fill your elective courses and right. all these things. And so I did that and I graduated early and I got into grad school and I got I got three quarters of grad school paid for while I was right. at BSU. Yep. Yeah, I just, it's, it's fucking great. crazy how. It's free. Yeah, if you're not the best football player in the world, graduate early and get into grad school. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Well, I took a bunch of those. I took a couple of those uh, clip tests. Did you ever take those? No. It's a test. You can test out of the classes and get credit for them. Oh, I did. I actually, I think I did that for English. Well, so I got credit because I passed the AP calculus exam in high school. Okay. But then I go to college and I had to take another science and they wouldn't give me credit for pre-calculus. Oh, Wait, I already I already have credit for calculus. You're not gonna give me pre-calculus? Yeah. So I just went and took this CLEP test. And I just got a book from the library. I flipped through it and I took it and got a seventy whatever I got. I think I got like a ninety on it. And you get three credits. Yeah. It was like one test. Yeah. And then I did it for another class. That's awesome. It was great. Yeah. Saved me so much time. Yeah. And I would just go to the library, I get the book, I kind of study a little bit, and I just take the test. Yeah. But my easiest semester was the semester that uh Gabe helped me do my schedule. Oh really? My first semester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh I just can't believe that it's set up like that sometimes. I think it has to be fucking hard. You can't just make it easy for kids. Right. But I don't know. I think they've been there for so long. They've probably seen like if you make it too hard for everyone, then you know. But again, we were probably the outliers. Yeah. And you can't really do your job off the outliers. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta do I what's... never listen to any counselors at Boise Day ever. Yeah. Never, not once. The academic ones, any of them, I just did my own thing. Just, Even in your own college? No. No. Not once. Yeah. I, I remember I went to one one time and I was like, I'm already like three steps ahead of you. <laughs> so I just did my own thing. Yeah. I never went back. Yeah. I hate all the formalities. And I I got a little bit overwhelmed because I'm I'm thinking about going back to school. And it's kind of dependent right. on, you know, a couple things in the future for me. But if a few things happen, I might go back to school. And I logged on to the Boise State website and I started looking at Blackboard and shit. And I'm like, I fucking hate this. Uh-huh. It's giving me like PTSD about college. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I had to call in and get my ID number for something the other day. I can't oh, remember right. what it was. Yeah. I think it was for my like Facebook login recovery. Or oh, no way. <laughs> something stupid like yeah, that. Yeah. Because Facebook, you had to have uh, a college email whenever you're 
I got into college. Like it was still the co- college only thing. Yeah. Do you uh, do you ever think about or do you ever look at like your transcript? I mean, I guess you haven't probably had to submit it to anything. I probably looked at it four years ago. Yeah, I I looked at mine a few days ago and it brought back some memories. I'm like, holy shit, I don't even remember taking that class. First B ever, English 102. Oh, really? First B in my life. Yeah. It's terrible. I got I got all A's in grad school and I got one C and it was in stats. Oh. I fucking hated stats. Yeah, you didn't take the right professor, that's why. Oh, no. He, <laughs> I don't know if I should say, well, I guess this is public knowledge. He left Boise State. He was right. the interim chair at Boise State for a while and he left and he went to like, Southern Illinois State University and was the dean of the College of Criminal Justice. And he got fired because he requested nude pictures from a girl student. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) Dude. And I, my. I wonder how prevalent that is. I bet it fucking happens all the time. This guy was creepy as shit, though. Like, looking back on it now, it's like I could kind of see how the girls didn't like him and he was a creeper and all that stuff. Right. Yeah. I wonder how often that happens. I think it probably happens fairly often. I guess it's probably department specific. <laughs> Criminal justice. Oh, well, I guess maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's it was very jarring when that happened. And I was like, that's that motherfucker. So I didn't have to take or I didn't have to do a um thesis or like a uh right. defense or anything. I had to take a comprehensive exam. And it was it was over 72 hours and I had to answer five questions and I wrote like 88 pages to answer these five questions in 72 hours. And I like locked myself in the criminal justice department and right. drank 5,000 Red Bulls. And um, he, my, the stats question was the one question that I failed and you got to retake the one question. And so I met with him before, you know, it was two weeks down the road that I had to retake it. And you know, it was cool because he met with me at like a Starbucks and he told me, hey, this is kind of what I was expecting. You didn't delve too far into this, blah, blah, blah. Asked you to send him a picture. <laughs> That's why I passed the second time. <laughs> um, but so I failed the first question. And then this other girl that I took the comprehensive right. exam with, she failed it. I passed the second time. She fucking failed the second time. So she had to wait. You think f- she'd be the one that passed? Yeah, seriously. Maybe she didn't. <laughs> she needs to take a page out of my book. <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't uh she had to wait a full semester until the end of the next semester to retake the whole comp exam. Wow. Yeah. It's a stressful fucking thing that you go through. Um I just had stressful tests. Yeah. Like I had this professor, uh, Mark Cowan. He taught partnership tax. We'd take get these take home exams. I'd write fifty five pages in a weekend. Jesus. And that would be like three times a year for this class. Jesus. Or three times a semester. Yeah. It was awful. I mean, but I learned a ton. But it was, oh, I would do it. It'd be during the season, too. Yeah. So we'd have a road game. I'd be on the plane, like typing instead of sleeping. Yeah. Everybody else. Yeah. Um, so, so you got your undergrad in accounting or? And my master's in accounting. And your master's in accounting, too. And then to become a CPA, do you have to do like another test? Yeah, the CPA exam, which was miserable because I waited like seven years after graduating to take it. Yeah. So I forgot everything. Oh, fuck. And all the rules changed. Like, so I, I it had been. It had been 10 years since I had taken financial accounting and I had to take this financial accounting section. They didn't even have international standards when I was in school. Oh, wow. All of a sudden we have international standards. I'm reading this stuff. I mean, I studied for probably like four or five hours a day for two months for that section. Wow. I think I passed it by like 3% or something. 
I just barely passed it. Yeah. But I passed them all first go. Yeah. That's not, that's pretty, I think it's pretty rare. Yeah. I don't know. I was yeah. told it was pretty impressive. Dude. I have no perspective. <laughs> I, uh, I bet when you get into that world, it's, it's kind of crazy. There's a lot of very smart people. Yeah. It's just different kind of smart. Yeah. Like. Book smart. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I just. It's it's interesting. It's it's people are I've learned kind of that people are very good at certain things. Like they kind of look at things from a high level, be really good at the details, be very good communicators, be very good internalizers. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much book smart versus street smart. There's just very like everyone's so nuanced in how they view things. It's really interesting to see where everyone excels. And you know, it's, it's, and like seeing how your weaknesses kind of get exposed and like, I'm better at looking at things from a high level and understanding things from a high level. And if I get down in the details, you'd think, okay, well you should be able to still see like the big picture. Cause that's what I'm good at. Mm. But no, you get stuck down there because it's one of your weaker areas. So you get stuck in there and then all of a sudden your, your best skill just goes away Yeah, and then you're just a disaster. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting seeing all those dynamics and being in professional football and being in accounting, which couldn't be any different. <laughs> yeah. So seeing how different people take their skill sets and transition them and how they apply them and how their weaknesses get exposed. And I, I don't know. I saw that a lot in myself. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I like that. I like figuring out what I'm good at and figuring out what I, I dislike. Right. Um, and I think I'm getting to that point in my life where I don't want to be a company person. Right. Like I want to do what's best for me. Um, and yeah, it's like you can't, you can say no to stuff and I'm not going to use that same example of that guy telling me not to do it. Cause I think that's just a bad teammate, but you know, if somebody asks you to do something, you can be humble enough to say like, I'm not good at that. You should ask this guy to do that. Right. This is the shit that I excel at. Right. So, but it kind of goes to, I think we've talked about this before. It's like, yeah, I was a big rule follower. Like I was like, you told me to do this. That's what I'm gonna do until I got in the NFL. And then I learned how, Hey, you got to break the rules. Cause like the only guys that are making plays are the ones that are breaking the rules. Yeah. And then I heard a coach say, Bruce DeHaven, he's my special teams coach. And he said, um, I never want to coach the guy that does nothing. I say, but I also don't want to coach the guy that does exactly what I say. Yeah. And I think that's like the best line. Like you kind of have to be in this gray area a little bit. And like all the super successful people just kind of like live in that gray area because they're trying to push boundaries and take chances and break rules to, they're all kind of like renegades a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's so important. Like that's such an important skill to have because you don't want to just be a sheep, but you also don't want to do nothing that anybody said, like, cause then you're just a renegade completely. Yeah. Well, you got to think about it from that guy's perspective that was coaching you when he's telling people to do stuff and they're just, it's like a guy sitting there. He's like, coach, can you do the thinking for me? Right. <laughs> you like, how annoying would that get? Right. You or know? if he just says, you got to have contain and you're running out there just in the middle of nowhere. And the guy just runs like right by you. It's like, well, I kept him inside me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not what I meant. Well, yeah. You could have made the tackle. <laughs> yeah. But kind of like, yeah. 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 Um, well, on that note, we passed an hour and a half. Um, did, you I, cap, did you cap these things in an hour and a half? I cap them at about an hour and a half. Oh, that's so weak. 
<laughs> if you want to keep going, we can keep care. going. We can do whatever you want. Um, we well, can cap I, it. We can, I'll come back. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to have you back on. And plus, I got to get to bed because I'm coaching tomorrow. tomorrow what time morning. is it? It's like 8.26. What time do you go to bed? I'll probably go to bed by 9.30. I got to get my shit together, What time man? do you wake up? I'm going to get up tomorrow probably at 4.15. I got up at like 10.30. I got up at 4.30. You're a psychopath. I like need at to... least six days. <laughs> you probably have a much more comfortable bed than I do. Maybe. I don't know. What are you... You're probably on some Tempur-Pedic. No. Man. I'm just on some old mattress. I don't know what it is. Dude, that's how we are too. We're so fucking cheap. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I go right to the workout. Yeah. 4.30. Yeah. Um, but no, I got I to gotta wake up. I got to coach two classes. Then I'm going to work out, then go to work. So, All right. All right. Um, Let's do it. Let's wrap it up. Have you... You've been listening to some of the episodes, right? Yep. So I've been giving people a chance to get the last word. So floor is yours to have the last word. Man, I don't I don't even know what to say. I've, I've, had a, I've had a great time. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think about everything we've talked about. We've kind of covered... Gosh, we're all over the place. Yeah. World War One and everywhere. <laughs> but, yeah, this was, this was a lot of fun, and I really appreciate it, Spence. And, uh... I don't know. We'll do it again. We'll do I don't it again have, I don't have too many great words to say, but I just think you're a good, positive dude to be around. So we've just had fun. Yeah. I encourage people. If they don't know you talk to Richie, yeah. he's a good dude. Reach out. Yeah. All right. We're done. Great. Okay. Thanks. Thanks.